just from my heart, um, it's incredible the timing of God as the Scutes share their story with us this morning and the timing of what I have to teach today. Um, I certainly think God has ordained this. Um, Brian started our series last week, the series called This Is Us, Who Are We? Um, and it really has to deal with what does God want us to be? What are we striving to be? And if uh, you go into big businesses, they'll, um, they'll have slogans on the wall or ideas of what they want, core values. This is what we are as a company. We want to you know, push this and, and do this. Well, here at Hope, similar except for the spirituality of it and God's agenda, we here at Hope want to be what God wants us to be. And we've had these five core values up on the wall for quite some time now, over 10 years. They're biblical. We could have, if we'd run, want to write on the walls all the things that God wants us to be, we'd fill these walls. Scripture does that. But we have taken five, for us, similar, I guess, to have in our face all the time. And my heart and the heart of the leadership here is that we as members would see this is what we want to be at Hope. And each one of you who are members or regular tenders that want to be part of what God is doing in each individual church worldwide. Remember, there's only one church. But here at Hope, we are trying to set a bar that really comes from above. And this is our story. Last week, Brian talked about a caring place. And the ultimate of that, for us to be able to care God's way, is to love. From 1 Corinthians 13. Powerful chapter. I couldn't help but think as he was teaching, um, it reminded me of 1 John that says this, God is love. Whoever lives in God lives in love and he in them. So when Brian kept saying, if I have not love, I'm nothing. You could even translate it, I don't have God living and producing himself in me. And we want to to look at the second aspect here. And this says where God transforms lives. So I want to kind of break that down. I want to help define that, what it means. And then we're going to look at two verses in Scripture that I think really pinpoint it very well. You see the God being larger than anything? We got we to gotta really understand and believe that to heart. You and I do not change lives. This isn't behavior modification. This is God going to the depths of our soul. And the first stage of transformation, there's other words in the scripture. I'm saved, I'm transformed, I'm regenerated, I'm quickened, I'm made anew, I'm made alive, I'm born again. That's what God does 
when, if you remember the Easter story, when I believe that there was a man who came to earth, God the Son, and lived a perfect life, died a horrendous death with my sins upon him and your sins, was buried and rose from the dead with the power of life so that you and I can live today. That's my justification. That's my, the, the first stage of salvation. God awakens us and calls us to himself. And now, because I am a follower of Christ, I'm learning how to follow him in a God-honoring way. So, it's all wrapped in the gospel. That's why here at Hope, when we have teaching team meetings, we remind each other, whatever passage we're teaching on, preach the gospel. It's from Genesis to Revelation. And transformation is that aspect where God is continuously working on my heart, transforming me. What does transformation mean? We always have fun at this. <laughs> the Greek word for transformation is metamorpho. Anybody want to take a guess where you think we get a word from that? Metamorphosis. What's metamorphosis? I was learning in school, it's the caterpillar becoming a butterfly. Whoop, I need this water. It's change. God is changing us. My question to myself as I was studying, Chick, how much is he changing you? I've been a believer for a long time. I know God can work in a four-and-a-half-year-old because I was five when God touched my heart and brought me to himself. And over the years, I've seen his change, but am I still changing? It never, ever ends. Transformation. So I thought of a verse, two verses, in Romans 12, 1 and 2. That's what we're going to look at today. It starts out, Romans 12, 1. Therefore, okay, scholars, teachers, class, whenever you see a therefore in church, I mean, in, in the scriptures, what do you do? You ask, what's the therefore? And Paul is being, I want to try to, I want to, try to convey the emotion that Paul has in this verse in chapter 12 when he gets to chapter 12 after writing 11 chapters. The book of Romans, and we did this, what, Steve, a couple years ago? We, this is a powerful book, but a challenge to teach, and we, we felt years ago we weren't quite ready yet. So we taught the book of Romans. I hope you go back and continue to read that. It is the most concise, powerful uh, writing in Scripture that gives us the whole gospel. From chapter 1, 
where he tells the fate of man, works all the way through in every chapter. And I can't help but think, when Paul gets to chapter 11 and is writing by the Holy Spirit, the very end of chapter 11, before he gets to therefore, he tells us, and I can't imagine, it's called a doxology in the scripture. Did he sing it? Did he praise God? He was just overtaken by the story of the gospel. And it goes like this. Oh, the depth of the riches of both the wisdom of God and the knowledge of God. But that's a sermon right there. How unsearchable. We try to figure out life. How unsearchable are his judgments and his path beyond tracing out. Who knows the mind of God? Or who could be his counselor? Can we give anything to God that he should give back to us or repay us? For from him and through him and for him are all things. To God be the glory forever and ever. That's how it ends. And then he says, therefore, that's a response. Because of the gospel, what's my response? I urge you, I'm going to do this in Paul's place. I urge us, brothers and sisters, and here's our motivation, in view of God's mercy. You can go back to the 11 chapters and see God's mercy in every chapter. It's not even his grace yet, just his mercy. What's the response? Because of all that Christ has done for us, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. Offer every tiny bit of who you are. One of the things you can have on the wall here, to love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and spirit. Strength. It's another thing that God, they all intermix. We just chose these five to help us remember. When I studied this, the verse popped out of my heart. We want to offer all that we are to God, the very depth of our being. When God created Adam in Genesis, it tells us, he picked up the dust of the earth and he formed it. And he breathed life into dirt. And he said these words, and man became a living soul. That's what we are. And because of Adam's sin, every human being that's born is born with a dead soul. We cannot understand the things of God. But those of us who have been resurrected because of the resurrection now have a living soul. We are born again. We are bought with a price. We're not our own. But I'll say this, I have trouble with that. I want me to rule my life. 
because of God's mercy, offer your bodies, your soul. What should a profit a man if he gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Our souls have been born again. We are alive and living in Christ. Therefore, give it all. That's what I want. That's what the leadership wants here. And I got to be honest because we, we need to be genuine. It's coming. <laughs> I don't always do that. I want my own way. I need to confess that all the time. Lord, not my will, but yours be done. What a great example Christ was. That was, that was his banner. <laughs> not my will, but yours be done. So we want to be a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Let me just say this quickly, and I think most of you know it, but we forget it. Coming here to church on a sunny morning and singing songs is not, and I'll say it this way, only worship that God wants. If I have not love, I'm nothing. If I don't come in this building on a Sunday morning and recognize I'm here to give my soul to the living God, and music is one way to do that. It's clanging cymbals and gongs. Worship is every moment of every day. And the Lord is seeking for worshipers. And we only can worship in spirit and in truth. Jesus told that to the woman at the well. And she was amazed and went and told everyone. And I just want to remind us here on a sunny morning. I remind my own heart. Lord, I need your help to worship this morning. Each one of us need to come in this building crying out to God, Lord, help me to worship you today in what I say to one another, in how I sing, in, in the mode that I give, um, how I give. Uh, I want to give generously, Corinthians tells us, how we pray together. Today, when Brian led us in worship, we want to be a choir that's praying before God and recognize he hears every one of it. As we were praying for the people in Transnistria, I'll get to that a little bit later. Verse 2. Do not be conformed to the pattern of this world. Conform. We're conforming our mind and character to something other than we, who we really are. There's a pattern we're trying to fashion ourselves after. And, and I love this one definition. Uh, it says this, one self is allowing to be changed to something else that we're not. And, and God says here, and don't let it be to the world. 
If we want to live a life pleasing personally and corporately as a church, we can't pattern ourselves after the world. They don't know God. They need our love. They need the message of the gospel. But Paul goes on to say, and let me again set the stage here, in the, in the whole manner of therefore, um, I'm presenting myself to the Lord totally. I'm yours, Lord. Everything I am, everything I'm not. That's the song we used to sing. We are transformed by the renewing of our minds. I'm going to come back to this, but then it goes on to say, so as we do this, then you and I will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good and his pleasing and perfect will. The word test here, examine, scrutinize, to see whether a thing is genuine or not. We don't, want to be a, we don't want to be afraid to look in the mirror. My buddy Steve taught that four years ago, James, with bedhead. James says, use the word of God as a mirror. And when you wake up in the morning, my wife wouldn't come outside until she gets her hair straight. I think it's a woman thing. Us guys, we just put a hat on. But the point is, are we looking into God's word and allowing him to put a mirror on our lives? Does it measure up to what God says? And I want to say this. When God asks us and tells us and commands us to do something, even if it's hard, it's the best. God doesn't want to put hardship on us just for the sake of hardship. He wants to transform us. And we will prove that. So I want to just close with this, and you can put that, this is us. Let me just take a drink here. Transform. God wants to change you and I. Now, we do this by renewing our mind. Another word is renovation. If I said to you, I'm a contractor, if I said to you, listen, no cost or whatever, I want to come in your house and renovate everything, brand new, would you let me do it? Unless you just had a new kitchen put in. God wants to renovate our lives. Well, how does he do that? What does he want to do? Now, first of all, we are to renew our minds through his word. We are to renew our minds by allowing the spirit to carry us along and to renew our minds, to teach us his word. We want to be men and women of prayer that we're making transformation in our lives a priority. God, change me. Change me today. So I want to give you a little picture of what the transformation looks like. Then I want to tie in a little bit about what's God doing here in our midst.
When I'm born again, and I was born again at five years old, you all have a great story. My wife was 23 when God regenerated her, caused her to be alive spiritually. And from that moment, God is helping us understand, and we get this from the Word of God, who we really are apart from God. Now take this, take this easy and take it right. It ain't pretty. You and I apart from God, here's what God says about it. Your heart's deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. We are totally depraved apart from God. My sinfulness rules my heart and Christ came and freed me. My heart is ugly before Christ. Romans 3, I'm worthless. Oh, I don't want to hear that. In my dead, unregenerated sinfulness, I'm not useful to God at all. He puts me, I'm separated from him. But there's good news. The gospel comes and says, arise. Now, let me change you. Corinthians says, from glory to glory. God wants to take my sinful, selfish, prideful, arrogant heart and make it patient and kind, not envious or boastful, not proud. I don't keep records of wrong. How many of us keep records of wrong? Let's be genuine. (laughs) God's working to get that out of our lives. And I see he's working on that. Here's a good confession. I've shared this before. God's working on my driving. (laughs) I'm more patient with people. I'm understanding they have a selfish heart and they need Christ. And I'm asking Christ, Lord, help me to love those drivers that cut me off. Those drivers that sit at the green light And what's my come? It ain't gonna get any greener. (laughs) I'm working on eliminating that because God is transforming my heart. He's teaching me. And I can't say this enough you will not be transformed without the Word of God and the Spirit of God working that in your heart. God's word is glorious. And when my my wife, Louie, and I are being transformed, you know what God's doing? Making us tighter. And there's nothing like it. He's making us tighter if he's transforming us. And that's what I want to say as I close here and prepare our hearts for communion. There has to be a personal transformation in our life. And it's only the work of God. And verse 1 says, are you willing to let God do that? Don was talking about weeping today. I was talking to Chris too. Him and I are weeping on the phone. I got a little picture, not a little picture, I got a picture of little Josie on our refrigerator. 
And when I, and I've already read the letter, and here's the heart of your elders and pastors here. The pain, the sorrow that they've journeyed in with Josie. It's real. But the transformation that that pain and hardship has created by the living God, which shows us the expression of his love for you guys and Jody, is just beyond measure. And God has allowed all of us together to be part of that journey. And we don't know the end of the story. I know what God can do. In the letter, they talk about Satan means for evil, and God means it for good. Oh, that we would believe that in every story. You read the story of Joseph. That's where that quote came from. What a story. Being sold by your brothers, hated, wanting to kill you, thrown in a dungeon. And then the whole Potter a lie affair. Then back in prison again. God turned that story amazingly. It saved Israel. And Jesus comes from Israel, Judah. So, gang, hopers, we've experienced hardship. The pain that has gone on here individually, we feel corporately. That's what love does. We rejoice over all the wonderful things and we mourn over the hard things. And God wants to do a work here at Hope continually that we don't fight that. When hardship comes, we go to Him. And we will experience the grace of God. In a month, I'm going to share, I'm going to be teaching on mothers <laughs> and the beautiful gift that God has given us. I'm going to share my story. My story about my mom has been hard growing up. Um, but when I look back, and I've, I've done this from time to time, in my time with God alone, I began to look back and just begin to thank him and praise him for how he was with me all my days. I see that. I know that for Josie. Because that's who God is. God never changes. He's perfect to begin with. And when we embrace that, we begin to experience a glory that is beyond this world could never, ever give me or ever understand it. But you and I have been given the secrets of God. Not all of them, but a lot of them. And it's all hidden in Christ. So that, as we think about this, and we present ourselves a living sacrifice to God, which is pure and perfect worship, we can together, as a body of Christ, take communion. We can have a little cross around our necks, that tell us this proves God's love. So that as we pray for Josie in the remaining years 
and we don't know the story, here's one of my prayers for Josie. May your grace be upon him all the days of his life so he never, ever forgets you. I've seen people that walk out on God. It's not good. God has so much for us. So we want to gather this morning to take communion as a reminder. This is what Jesus did for us. He loves me this much. So I'm going to ask the ushers to come forward. If you could play some chords, and then after we can do communion, um, we're going to sing a song. This cross represents transformation. And I want it.